0: The following audio has been brought to you by Word of Grace Community Church. For more information about Word of Grace, visit wogcc.com. Well, good morning, Word of Grace. Uh, I'm excited today to talk about this. Um, When we first started talking about doing the Real God series, uh, Pastor Derek let us know that we'd all be teaching in it. And it went something like, you know, we'll talk about God's goodness, we'll talk about holiness and we'll talk about God's justice. So I got that one. Uh, thank you, Pastor Derek today. Uh, my hope is that by the end of it, uh, you're going to know what justice is, how God is just, why we often feel that there isn't justice happening around us and how we should respond to God's justice. And that's a lot of stuff to cover in a pretty short time. Um, But the first and most important thing that I want to do is I want to start by praying because I want you to hear what God has to say to you today, not what Pete Cocos has to say to you. So, God, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to gather and learn about you today. Lord, I ask that your spirit would come and it would speak through me and that I would get out of your way. Uh, Lord, you know that I've studied your word. I've treasured it. I've tried to do right by it. But at the end of the day, I'm just a goof. And I need to have you here this morning, Lord, and we all want to hear from you and what you have to say. And Lord, I pray that as we get to know you, we'll be more in love with you. And those who maybe are here that don't know you very well, Lord, that today they would come to worship at your feet. And Lord, we long to hear from you. Amen. Amen. Well, as I get moving this morning... Um, there's probably a lot of you listening who have your own ideas about justice. Um, when we talk about that, it's a word that it's gotten watered down a lot. It's gotten used differently through time to the point that now we, we throw words in front of justice to try and describe it more because we don't know what we mean by it. And, and so that's why you'll hear frontier justice, right? Or, or restorative justice or how about know, social justice, right? But the truth is, if we, if we stu- stuck to the, the original meaning of the word, you don't need those other things in front of you. You don't need qualifiers, because justice is justice, and God's justice is perfect. Um, but we kind of have our own ideas, and because of that, we have a lack of understanding that causes us to ask two main questions. And in the Real God series, Chip Ingram kind of addresses these and goes after these and these two questions that we end up asking are, if God is just, then why do bad things happen to good people? Or if God is just, why do good thing, or bad things happen to good people, or good things happen to bad people? Um, this isn't new, but based off these questions, we often look at it and we all go, yeah, why do those things happen? God owes me an explanation. Um, That's a dangerous place to be, to say that God owes you something, but I do understand it, and we've all been there. Matter of fact, it's not a new thing. If you look in Psalm 13, you're going to see this is David, King David, and he's what we would call a good person in the Bible, and here's what he says. "'How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever?' How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy, that'd be the bad guy, by the way, okay? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? They're having good things happen to him. Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say, I have prevailed over him lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So notice David is going through these exact questions we talked about. He's saying, I'm good, bad things are happening. They're bad, good things are happening. What up? And he's trying to figure it out. And this is not an old concept. Only It still happens to this day. Matter of fact, if you're not convinced of this, in the 90s, network television had back-to-back shows just to soothe our Christian souls as we'd watch TV. You probably remember Touched by an Angel and Walker, Texas Ranger. (laughs) Yeah, some of the best TV ever. It's the reason why when I'm under a strong light to this day, I still say, I am an angel sent by God to tell you that he loves you. (laughs) That was my favorite part of the show. And then if if you're not familiar with this, by the way, if you're younger than me, please, not too many of you. Okay, good. Uh, If you're younger than me and you're not understanding what's going on, Touched by an Angel was a show where bad things would be happening to good people. And this angel Monica would show up and she'd tell him, God loves you, and and everything would be happy by the end, and we felt better in our hearts because good things were happening to the good person. And then, then it got real, y'all. Then Chuck Norris came on TV. And if you were a bad guy that was getting away with some good stuff happening in your life, Chuck Norris was there to make sure you got a roundhouse kick to the face. Usually several times. It always took him 45 minutes to get there, but he got there justice happened. It was pretty awesome. Uh, but I have some bad news for you. Uh, that's not justice. That's not actual God's justice. And what that does is that was stuff that, that kind of helped us feel better about what we saw going on around us. And if you're a person that's going through suffering this morning, uh, I want I to stop for a second and say, I, I can't speak to your suffering this morning. I have to stay on On point point and talk about God's justice, I don't want you to feel that I'm being flippant about that. Uh, God understands suffering, and that's a whole different thing, Um, but we're not going to be able to fully answer those questions because those might not be the right questions to be asking. Um, When we talk about worldly justice like that, what we're actually talking about is our own sense of fairness, And I'm going to define fairness today, uh, and and you'll see why that's different, but because we're we're judging it off of our own view, we're we're missing the mark on what it really means, and we're not understanding who God is, and because of that, we're not able to worship him fully. So uh, the world isn't fair. I can't talk you out of that today, okay? It's not. uh, That doesn't mean that God's not just, though. Just because the world isn't fair doesn't mean God isn't just, My old math teacher came out to me. I got to use the not equal to sign on the slide. I was pretty happy with that. What do I mean by this? I mean, fairness is a way of comparing my situation to yours. It's a way that you compare yours to other people's. It's a way that we compare two other people to each other. That's what fairness does. It compares person to person. For instance, if somebody were to come up and give Pastor Derek two cookies... Now, I didn't know it just a five minutes before that, but now suddenly I realize I am owed two cookies because that's fair, that's right. He got two, I get two. I'm entitled to those two. I didn't know it, but now that he's got them, I know it. That's what's fair, okay? Or let me put it in, in maybe a way that is, if you're not a cookie lover, shame on you, first of all. Um, <laughs> but maybe it's a little bit more at home for you. How about when you're going for that raise and you get it and you feel that justice was served because you worked harder than the person that you thought was going for the same job and so you're like, yes, I worked harder, I deserve that job, justice was served. We compared those two situations. But in our total depravity and selfishness, we didn't stop and think about the fact that somewhere in a third world country, Somebody's been working 14-hour days for 15 years straight just so they could barely eat. We didn't think about the fact that they've worked way harder than we've ever worked. We didn't say, hey, this is wrong. I don't deserve this raise. They deserve this raise. It got quiet. Okay. It doesn't serve our own sense of fair to think that way. And that's the problem when, when we think about fair All we're doing is comparing, and it's based off of our own ignorance and selfishness. Justice doesn't compare us to each other. Justice compares us to what is right. That's what real justice is. And this is something we know, but even that we're not good at. And what I mean by that is uh, you probably understand the way our law works. If you get in trouble for something, you go before a judge, that judge has the job of comparing you to a written law. And the reason we had to write the law down is because we can't trust any one person. Even though we think we know what's right, there's not a single person here who can get it right that we can trust. So we have to write it down on some paper and say, this is what's right, we're all getting it wrong, but, but this guy here, it's his job to, to compare you to this. And that is our holy sacrament. That is what is right. Even that, though, that's not what it's supposed to be. It's hard for us to understand that, though. It's something that we struggle with because when we look at it and we say, okay, I understand justice's comparison to what's right, but still it feels like there's stuff going on that's, that doesn't adhere to that right now. And here's what I'd say to that. Um, I'm with you. I've struggled with that myself. So those of you who are suffering, they're going, wait a second. You're saying that there's something that's right, but I'm telling you, this doesn't feel right. I've questioned it myself. Uh, my wife and I, we struggled uh, with some infertility issues for the last couple years, and we, we had a miscarriage in November. And... I I kid you not when I say it's a struggle for me to not look at it and go, I don't know what's going on with your law, God. It seems messed up. I I feel like there's something owed to me that I'm not getting. And I understand that, guys. But I wanna say, you're in the middle of the episode. Walker, Texas Ranger hasn't caught up to the bad guy yet. Okay? (laughs) This earth is the middle of the episode. Judgment's on the way. It's not here yet. So we can't really get too caught up in this and think that God's unjust. We haven't seen the ending. Our eyes are in the wrong place. You've got to look towards eternity. That doesn't mean that your suffering doesn't matter right now. But it does mean that it's not a good way to judge whether or not God's just. <clears throat> God is just. God is just. Why am I emphasizing the is when I say God is just? It's because God is sovereign and good and holy and wise, and we've learned all this. And because he's sovereign, he's over everything. So when we think of law, we think of it in our, our, our messed up way, right? We think of a judge looking at what is right and saying, I will go ahead and judge you based off of what is right. Because that judge can't be totally good. He's not totally over everything, right? Matter of fact, what happens if we don't agree with law here? We say, I think you got it wrong. I'm going to do what they call an appeal. You've heard of this, an appeal? I'm going to go to a different judge because I don't like this judge. He didn't do it well. So we move on. But here's the thing with God. He's not adhering to justice, Sometimes when we talk about God, we feel like he owes us. Hey, there's a right way to do it. Do it the right way, God. Aren't you checking the law, dude? Don't you understand? Do it this way. But God is just. That means he's not looking to some list of laws. He decides what's law. What he decides is it. So I feel like maybe sometimes we get caught up in this whole, aha, Here's what the Bible says, I figured it out, and here's what God has to do. You didn't figure out God, trust me. He's not figureoutable. We're trying our hardest, but it's not going to happen here. And, and he's going to get to decide what he's going to decide. And if you want to go ahead and raise your hand on that day and say, objection, you go for it. <laughs> I'm not going to, okay? Overruled. That's a... That, That is a pharisaical way of looking at things when you start to say, I'm going to make the law God. Understand the difference. God is the law. The law isn't God. You get me? And thank the Lord for that. Okay? Matter of fact, um, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1, it even shows us, this. this is pretty cool, it says, for since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Do you hear that? It's in the Bible. It says, the law is a shadow, and you can try your hardest to follow that. It will not make you perfect. It's not going to happen. So, if we understand that, we, we have to understand that God is what justice is. And I can't have a perfect definition of that because I don't perfectly understand God. I can tell you what his justice is going to rule against, and that's sin. In the light of knowing that we don't understand God's justice because we look to our own sense of fairness, and in the light of the fact that the law is a shadow, what I'm going to look at is what is sin... And and why is that an important part of his justice? And the reason I want to spend some time on that is because when we devalue sin, and I think we have, I think we've devalued and desensitized ourselves to sin, that's one of the reasons when we go day to day, we feel that God's unjust. We feel that the world's unjust. It's because we've become desensitized to our own sin and we've devalued it. Let me show you what I mean. Our very nature with sin is to go right back to the whole comparison thing. We're built for comparisons. We're good at it. It's easy. How many of you can figure out if I'm standing next to another person, which one of us is taller? You're pretty good at that, right? It's easy, okay? We like to compare. And so we do that with sin. Sin's a comparison game. We think of a thief or a murderer Uh, as a horrific sinner and then we think of maybe the the little innocent sins of the sweet old church lady and we say oh that's minor that's insignificant (sighs) I've got bad news that's not what the Bible says okay Uh, the truth about sin is that sin is sin I'll say it again the truth about sin is that sin is sin every sin Okay, And at the root of every sin is a rebellion against God. It's an attempt to become our own ruler all over again. Okay? Uh, Let me put it in a way that we can all understand. Watch this. Have you ever, I bet I get all hands on this. Have you ever seen a kid defy a parent? (laughs) Ah, yeah, I thought so. Okay. So you know what I'm talking about. You say, they're, they're doing something. They're about to knock over something expensive or whatever. And you say, don't touch that. They look at you. They touch it. And at that point, and you can see it in their face, it's not even about them wanting to touch it, is it? No. It's about them showing you who's the boss. And who's the boss in that moment they decided they were? And what comes up inside of you, there is a righteous, holy anger of smackdown coming. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Because you say, that's not okay. I'm smarter than you. I know better. You just defied me, and you said that you know more than me. You took over the role of ruler of this house. Not okay. That's pretty much what sin is, folks. See, God speaks to you, and he says... Hey, here's what I want you to do. And in light of that, we say, yeah, no, I'm going to do my thing. And we don't feel that way because we've become desensitized to it. But the truth is we've defied God. We have decided, "Uh, I'll take the throne today. I got it. Thank you. That's what sin is. And we do it so often that we don't even see it that way anymore. And so what does sin become? It becomes that comparison game. We've gotten so desensitized to it that the only way we can judge sin is how it compares to others and what, it, what the consequences of it are. So therefore, the thief and murder must be worse than the person who is ignoring the Holy Spirit, nudging them to shovel their neighbor's driveway. And we don't like that because it's hard. We don't like that idea that maybe even the sweetest old little church lady who's been there for years and comes and is so sweet and faithful, even she is a sinner. When I was thinking about this, I thought about one of the sweetest, most awesome church ladies I know. Her name's Dixie. She's back in St. Louis. Dixie, if you're watching this, I am sorry for calling you old, (laughs) but I'm proud of you for learning to work the internet. Uh, Dixie is the sweetest lady I've ever met. I'm not kidding. I've met some really sweet ladies. I'm married to a sweet lady, but Dixie is the sweetest lady I've ever met. And she's been so faithful over the years. She serves. She loves on people. She hugs on people. She's an amazing woman. And yet, when I sit there, and I was writing this, and I had to think about the fact that Dixie's still a sinner, and she still deserves the penalty for sin. And the penalty for sin, according to my Bible, is death. And when I stop and think about it, that messes with me. Because, man, I love that lady. And to think about that almost makes me think that God's not good for a second. Like I have the right to tell him that's wrong. But the truth is, sin is sin. And we need to think about it that way. When we don't, what we've stopped valuing as well as the value of sin is the value of salvation. See, if sin isn't that big of a deal, if my little thing that I did this week where I knew that I was supposed to pick up a piece of trash when I walked by it, but I ignored it because it's more fun to be lazy, that's sin. I don't like that, but it is. I write it off as trivial. And what I think is often, well, I used to be a sinner, but then I joined the good guy team. I used to be the guys that Walker, Texas Ranger was going for, but now I am a Ranger. <laughs> I would like that. That'd be cool. I could look good in a cowboy hat. Anyway, um, <laughs> we, can't, we can't get to the place where we say, oh yeah, there's no big deal. I just switched teams and now my sins don't count. You're still a sinner. You still sin. Bible says that specifically too. Just because you, you, you accepted Christ doesn't mean you don't sin. And sin still has the same penalty. It's still death every time. Wages of sin is death. It doesn't say, wages of sin is death unless you switch teams and then I don't care about your sin anymore. It's fine, go ahead. Do as much as you want. It doesn't say that. It still says, sin is sin. When I think about a day of switching teams or I think about the things that I do now that make me good, I come to church, pay my tithes, pray, serve. Those things kind of feel like they balance out, the sin that I have now, because it's not as bad as it was. So it kind of feels like I should be a good person, right? I'm doing it, I'm doing the cross and in injustice. What I'm saying is, yeah, you died for me back then, and I appreciate that, Jesus. But now I'm kind of pretty much, I got to figure it out. I'm good enough. That's not true. Uh, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. I like this because it talks about just how bad things were and are. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. And I know some of you are saying, wait, it says you once walked, so that means you changed teams, right? Hold on. We'll get there. Uh, and the Spirit is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And I'm going to skip over a few here to, down to verse 8. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. So it's easy for me to read the first part of Ephesians 2 and say, I did once do that, now I'm a good guy because I switched teams look at me, I'm good now. But according to this, I'm not. It says I've been saved, not by my own works. It's not about what I've done. Justice isn't served because I said, uh, that's bad, this is good, and I'm gonna do my best now. It actually says that it's a gift of God. And what's the gift of God? It's the cross, folks. That was the gift. See, the problem is we think of justice and grace as these diametrically opposed ideas. Justice was Old Testament God. Whoo, thank you, Jesus, that he's gone. The New Testament God is so much better. That's the same God. And it works hand in hand, folks. God doesn't say, okay, now everything's better. Your sin doesn't matter anymore. It still matters. The cost of sin is death every time. Here's the beauty about Grace it pays the perfect penalty for justice. Justice requires an exact penalty. Grace pays that penalty fully. It's an amazing thing. If you don't understand the gigantic cost, you're not going to understand the amazing grace. The two go together. If I'm just an okay guy that does some little things that aren't that big of a deal, then the cross isn't that big of a deal. But it is a big deal. Jesus paid it all. You you know the song, Jesus paid it all. All to M.I.O. He paid it all, 100%. It's not like there's some leftovers. Have any of you ever paid off a car or a house? (laughs) We need to have a financial series. No, uh, If you have, you know this. I worked at a bank when I was younger and I was in college, and people would try and pay off their loans, and they'd come in and say, I owe this much, cool, and you pay it off. And they were almost always wrong about how much they owed. Because when you go to pay off a loan, there's always just some weirdness that happens with the math at the end. And there's some leftovers, typically. Go figure, the bank still thinks you owe them more. The Bible specifically says, though, it's paid in full. And even above that, it says, it will be remembered no more. God says, I will remember your sins no more. It's a perfect payment, done forever. And here's why that's amazing, why that's incredibly liberating. Because we don't understand that. We continue to hold things over people, right? Let me give you an example. Um, My wife and I have, of course a nearly perfect marriage. Uh, We spend about 99% of our waking moments just affirming each other, agreeing with each other, rubbing each other's backs, that kind of stuff. Uh, But I can remember a time uh, once where we had a really small disagreement. Um, What? And in the midst of this narrow disagreement... My wife might have said something hurtful to me like, Pete, I, I no longer believe that you are the most wise and amazing man I've ever met. <laughs> I know that's harsh, but she, she might have said something like that, and it, and it hurt. And after this whole argument's over, we come to a resolution. We forgive each other, right? She might have had to forgive me for something. I don't know. Uh, but we forgave each other. And here's the deal, if we were to ever argue again, there's a good chance that I'm going to remember what she did against me. Unfortunately, that's the truth about me. Sorry, guys. I know I was supposed to be perfect up here this morning, but the truth is, there's a good chance I'm going to bring that back up and say, but you did this. And I still remember that. And I'm going to hold your mistakes over your head so that you can't have power over me. You know what I'm talking about. How many people get out of jail and they're actually even with the house? Wow, there's a stigma that goes with it, isn't there? You were a lawbreaker. You are a sinner. Not in heaven, folks. Your sins will be remembered no more. Justice requires a penalty. Grace pays it fully. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man. So how do we respond? Okay, we, we, we talked about the fact that uh, we know what justice is. We know God is just. We kind of get a sense for why it doesn't feel that God is just. But how should we respond to God's justice? I want to show you three examples from the Bible that we're going to walk through and show you different ways of responding. Okay, the first is in Luke chapter 13. We're going to start in verse 1. And let me set it up for you. Um, Jesus is basically in the middle of a crowd of people, and they're firing questions at him left and right and, and trying to stump him, trying to get him to say something wrong or get him to explain things that they want to know, quick, easy answers for. And here, they're, they're kind of questioning his justice. They're saying, either these people were worse sinners than we thought, or God's not just. Tell us which one it is. And so, uh, here it goes. There were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Uh, This is basically letting you know that uh, Pilate executed some people. And he answered them, he says, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. He goes on, he's not done, he wants to make sure it hits home. He says, Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them? Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And this is the place where I find myself. Back in November when I'm questioning and I'm starting to go, how is this okay? And Jesus, he doesn't, he's not flippant about it. He's not saying, I don't care what happened to those people. But he's saying, hey, I get it, man. Change your focus. Can you look at eternity for a moment? You're saying, this is bad, and I get that. But you're all going to die eventually anyway here on earth. Can you start thinking about eternity? You have to repent. You have to think about eternal justice. You're too busy focused on the right here and now. Change your focus, man. Stop thinking about what's fair here on earth. That's what we might need to do. Next one is in Mark chapter 10, and it starts in verse 17. And again, this is Jesus. He's out in public, and he's set off on a journey. And um, he, he's, he's got this young man coming towards him. And uh, it's a good story. So here we go. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? He's, he's reading this guy's mail right off the bat. Oh, you're into the whole good thing. Gotcha. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. He's kind of answering that question. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because there aren't good people. That's what Jesus said. No one's good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. What is he doing here? He's listing off the written law. Because he knows that's probably where this guy is going to feel at home and safe and comfortable. And the guy says, yep, teacher, all these I have kept for my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, you lack one thing. Go. Sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And this is a lot of us that are struggling with this whole idea of the law as well. We feel really good about the list. Where am I on the list? I'm doing pretty good on the list. But God judges a man's heart. And even Jesus, loving this man, looked at him and saw his heart and said, I see that you still want to be in charge of your own wealth and your own security, and you feel good about it. And what I'm asking you is make me God of your life, not your wealth. And the guy couldn't handle that. And I wonder how many of us are struggling with that this morning. I, I like this idea of church that I come to on Sundays, and I'm in a small group, and I'm doing the things and if I do those things, I get to be in eternity, right? And he's saying, where's your heart? Where's your heart? The third example, and this is the one that I hope I can be like, and it's strange that I have to go to an example of a thief, but that's where I'm going. Um, we're going to go to Luke chapter 22, verse 39. And at this point in chapter, in, in, uh, chapter 39 of Luke, or sorry, chapter 23 of Luke, uh, Jesus is on the cross, and he's dying. Uh, he's, he's got very little time left. He's in excruciating agony, and he's hung between two thieves. And one of them uh, starts in 39. He says, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. He's making fun of Jesus in his dying moments. That's a bad call. And the other one calls him on. He says, but the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And here's how Jesus replies. Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the same Jesus that turned away the good young, rich man. Same guy. He's telling a thief, you're going to be with me today in paradise. Why? What's the difference? It's the difference of this guy's heart. He came with humility. He says, I understand justice, God. I'm getting exactly what I deserve. I am a sinner. I'm not a good man. I'm not good. That's the first thing I'm going to say is I'm not good. And the second thing I'm going to say is, you are good. You were perfect. You didn't deserve this. You're amazing. Can you just remember me? Can you just remember me? He didn't ask, hey, could you get me off this cross? He just said, would you just remember me? And Jesus looks at his heart and says, wow, this is a guy that gets it. He understands the price that's being paid right now. This isn't just some thing for other people. It's for him. He deserves death, and he knows that I don't. Today, as we close, I want to keep these things in mind because I forget them all the time, all the time. But I want to provide a chance for maybe, maybe if you're a person who has been questioning uh, God and, and, and you're saying, it doesn't seem like you're fair and I'm having a hard time with it, maybe today you could just, turn your focus a little bit towards eternity and say, I see, okay, I see your justice, God. Yes, I didn't see it before, but I see it now, and it's more valuable than I, than I thought. Or maybe today, you're a person who's, who's sitting there, and oftentimes you're like me, and you go, well, I'm good. I am good, right? That cross was for me back then. It's not for today, is it? But it is, it's for today. Maybe we need to realize that today. And maybe you're a person who's never accepted Jesus and you don't understand a lot of this, but you do kind of understand that thief on the cross and it makes sense to you. And you say, yeah, I haven't, I haven't been good, but I, I hear about this Jesus who is willing to die for me and pay the penalty of justice. I want to be on board with that. I want to give you a second to respond to that. Uh, I'm going to play a song. It's a song I've actually played for the youth, and, and the reason I like this song so much is because it reminds me of something that when I sing the lyrics, I can't help but have them come true, but at the same time, I forget it on a daily basis because the cross loses its value as my sin loses its value on a daily basis. So I want you to take a moment as, as I pray. We're going to play a song, and just take a moment, and whatever you need to do, maybe you need to sing a song along with it, the lyrics will be on the screen. Maybe you need to just spend some time in prayer on your knees. Maybe you want to worship. It's your call. I want, I want you to reflect, though. I want you to reflect on the amazing justice of God and how awesomely costly the grace was. So, Lord, today as I sit and I realize the penalty of my sin, I realize that Pete Cocos is, is the one who the cross is for today the value, the amazing value of your love for me that I am still trying to take over the throne on a regular basis. I still want to be God of my own life so often. And you won't stand for that and you shouldn't because you are sovereign and good and wise and holy. And I have no right to your throne. Lord, Today I come to you and I, I, I humbly apologize. Lord, help me to not forget that that cross is for me today. And Lord, in this moment, can I just spend a moment in awe of your wonder, of your grace, of your awesomeness. You are a sovereign God and we love you. We, we worship you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm.
1: Just ending.
2: stand up together today, church. Lord, we just thank you for your amazing grace. We thank you for what only you can do and what you have done. We thank you, Lord, for showing us, God, just the depths of our sin through, Lord, showing us how, no matter how hard we try, we don't measure up, but Jesus, your grace that you have so freely given us as a gift has changed everything and we thank you. We thank you that we are recipients of that grace through faith, that gift that you've given. We honor you today and your grace should always amaze us, Lord. I pray you stir our hearts to a place of awe, to a place of being amazed, to a place of wanting to know you more, more than ever before, Lord, to know your grace to know your goodness, to know your justice, to know your holiness and your sovereignty, your goodness. Lord, we want to know you for who you really are. Thank you for helping us to learn just a little bit more about who you are today. May that stick with us. May that comfort us. May that challenge us. May that draw us nearer. We love you, God, and we thank you for what you're doing in and through every one of us here. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks for listening to this sermon from Word of Grace. For more sermons or any other information, visit wogcc.com.